God's word, to hear from uh, what you have to say. Uh, But I pray that we just have our hearts stirred today when it comes to hope. That we're able just to learn a little bit about what it looks like to put our hope in you. Would you just quiet any hearts today as we listen and just see who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, I just want to quickly introduce myself. My name is Ian Ray. I'm actually the youth pastor here at Indy Vineyard. Um, and I see a couple new faces, and we're really glad you guys are here. Uh, you guys are so welcome here at Indy Vineyard. Um, and so I, I just want to kind of kind of start out with um, presenting uh, Julie. So Julie, if you, if you would come up. So if you noticed during worship, we had just a beautiful painting uh, being painted. And so Julie kind of was just praying and, and really felt that this was the particular painting on her heart. And so I'm just going to give her a, a quick minute just to share about kind of what it means, what it, what it meant. I'll, I'll hold it for you and we'll get this on. And, and it's, it's, how, it's amazing how God orchestrates things like this of, of what the Lord kind of revealed to you is so in line with the message that I'll be giving today. Yeah, thank you. Um, hi, everybody. Yeah, it really is amazing how Holy Spirit just unites us all and unites the message. So um, I knew that the topic was on hope. And um, so I prayed before I went to bed last night. And he usually gives me things at the last minute, <laughs> which is a little tricky, but um, it, it usually works out. So anyway, um, I had a dream this morning right before I woke up, and I prayed for if there was an image. I had an idea in mind, but I asked the Lord, you know, for his image. And um, he gave me this image of um, a bird, and actually this is supposed to be like a common bird. Maybe it's a bluebird. Um, I wanted it to be an eagle. I was like, Lord, don't you, shouldn't it be an eagle? That's so, you know, <laughs> scriptural. And he was like, no, you'll see. And so uh, I obeyed, and I and I painted this common bird, and I, but I saw the bird coming down, and as it was going down for a landing, it grabbed um, the locust in which was in flight in its mouth, and uh, the scriptures came to mind. I saw the wheel in the background as well, and so I'm just asking them what all this is about, and um, the scripture came to mind that. Uh, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I think this is a real specific word. I mean, it's for everybody, but I think it's a specific word today. Um, he also brought the scripture to mind um, that is in Joel, um, where he's going to restore what the locust had stolen. And I really would love to read that scripture because it's so specific and it's so, uh, it's just for today. Uh, it's, it really is. I feel that the Lord is saying um, with the wheel also that he is redeeming the time. And so some of you have felt uh, hopeless or you've felt disappointed. You've suffered disappointments in your life, as we all have. And uh, especially today, it's, it's you're finding it hard to maybe grab on to hope, even though you know that it's available but I think uh, today he's, he's activating us. There's a part for us to play, and that is grabbing on to that hope. And uh, just like the bird grabbed onto the locust um, on its way down, um, he wants us to just really reach out and really just uh, exercise our faith today and grab on to that, that hope that he is offering um, would it be okay if I just read yep. that scripture? Because I feel like the call out is just to really grab on. And uh, I'm, I'm going to read that. 
So this is from Joel 2:25 and 26. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust, my great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be put to shame. Mm. So I just hear him say that that thing that you thought was stealing from you is actually your food today. It's for today. So just receive it today. And I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Julie. Thank you so much. Yeah, so I had the opportunity to, uh, to meet Julie this morning and, and talk with her a little bit. And I was, I was so excited and so encouraged as she shared uh, kind of what she felt the Lord and, and the scripture she had put on her heart. Because we're actually going to be walking through uh, Romans 5, 1 through 8. And if you guys know anything about that scripture, you know that uh, it's talking through suffering turning to hope. And so that's what we're going to be kind of tackling today. And I'm so excited to do that with you guys. And, and it goes so perfectly just in touch with, with the painting. And so we're actually in a series, and this series is called In Christ. So we've been in this for about eight weeks. This is actually the final week of the series. And I'm so excited to end in this series. And we're actually going to be starting a new one, a real short, quick series for a couple weeks called A Generous Life next week, which is going to be awesome. And we're going to be talking about how you uh, be good stewards of your time, your, your treasure, and your talents. And so we're going to kind of come together as a body and, and look, what does it look like to live a generous life? And so for this particular series that we've been walking through uh, in Christ, we've been asking a couple different questions. One question was, who am I? So for the first two weeks, we talked through identity. For uh, the next two weeks, we talked through destiny or, or what's my future look like, right? Where am I going? The next question we asked is, what am I doing here? Or what is my purpose? In the last two weeks, um, and today we're talking on hope, and it answers the question, why is it really okay? And the thing is, is when it comes to the question of why is it really okay, we believe that every single one of these questions is answered in Christ. And that's why we've talked through these different topics of identity, destiny, purpose, and hope. Because every answer to those questions is in Christ. And so today, what a perfect way to bring it together as we talk through, through hope. And Randy actually started out the whole series, and you guys have heard this a ton, of, of that idea of mind the gap, right? In the, in the um, I believe it was Britain or in the UK, they, you always hear on the subway train, mind the gap, right? And I had some friends that recently went to uh, the UK, and, and we have some friends here that are from there. You can guarantee that they do say that. They say mind the gap, but in an accent that I'm not going to try just to guard you guys. Um, and, and the idea is you have to mind the gap when you're stepping because there's a gap before you get onto the subway. And we believe that Christ or Jesus actually helps us mind that gap. There's always a gap in our lives that Christ fills. And so that gap that Christ fills, we're going to talk about it today, and in particular in the message of hope. And so, like I said, we're, I, I would love to, to hear how many times I say this word hope. But the thing, the thing with it is, is this isn't, a, this isn't like a pump-up message. I was thinking and praying through, and I really felt like the Lord say, like, no, you don't have to, you know, yell at them or, or get on your knees or anything like that. But I can really just lay it out, like, what is hope? And it's super interesting when it comes to, like, laughter. You know, laughter is contagious. That's what they say. Like, one person starts laughing, the next person starts laughing, and it just kind of spreads around the room. Like, if you go to, like, a, 
like uh, stand-up comedy or something like that. And, you know, everyone is, is ready to laugh. And so, they're, you know, the laughter is spreading throughout the room, and you can hear it reverberate, right? Laughter is infectious. And then joy. Joy is the same thing. You meet a joyful person. They walk into the room, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I want to I, I latch on to that. They're joyful. I want to be, you know, joyous just like them, right? Joy is contagious. Now, we know last week because Randy uh, gave the opportunity for, for some of you guys in the congregation to actually speak on why do we have hope in Christ. And it was this beautiful message of it was kind of stirring up hope within us as a congregation. And I, and I love that. But there's this interesting thing that as I was kind of processing about hope is there's a little difference than like maybe laughter and joy. Because, you know, laughter's contagious. Like it's just going to happen. Now, hope we saw last week, hope, yes, is contagious, and you hear these stories, you're like, wow, that's so cool that that happened in your life, but there has to be an element for you, I think this is the difference, where you actually have to grab onto it for yourself. And so that's what this message is about. I'm, I'm going to try and lay out kind of this idea that, that hope is there, hope is actually anchored, right? You can almost imagine it like just an apple dangling right here for you to grab, Right? Hope is there, and there's actually going to be a choice and a decision for you guys to actually grab hold of that hope for yourself. Because you can see hope in other people's lives, and it stirs up faith within you. It stirs up hope within you. But then all of a sudden, when you see transformation, right, that's when you grab hold of it for yourself. So for hope to transform us, we don't have to live vicariously through others' hope. We just say that I have hope. And so I'm, I'm so excited as we kind of break down this passage and just look what it looks like to hope. So if you'll turn in your Bibles with me to, to Romans 5, it's, it's up here on the screen. And I can just, you can read it off here, but if you have a device, if you have a Bible, we're going to be in this actually for pretty much the whole message. So you can just open up your Bible if you want to, you know, take notes or write, write in your Bible. Uh, that would be awesome, just like kind of different things that, that we're breaking down. So I'll just read it for us. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for what you have to say and what you're speaking to us through this, through this passage. I pray we're able just to break it down and understand what it's saying. And, and we start to look at the context and, and the words. And, and as we just learn a little bit, Lord, I just pray for open hearts, open ears, and just open minds to learn in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you know me at all, you know I'm a nerd. And so um, Sierra... Uh, ended up giving the uh, the community notes, and she did awesome. Well done, Sierra. It's funny. Uh, she called, like, pointed out, like, everyone come to youth group, and I agree you should. I didn't tell her to do that. And then one of my youth leaders behind me says, well, I did. And so it's always good. Surround yourself with people who are better than you and encourage you. Um, and so I'm so thankful for, for that. But during, actually, a message that Sierra gave, she was talking about... Um, 
I, I completely lost my train of thought. Yeah, head to the heart. That's where we're going, right? Um, so we want this to go from the head to the heart. And so she was saying, Ian is like, I'm going to pull an Ian and get, like, go to a word and break down a word. And so I'm really nerdy. I really like that. So just latch on your, your, you know, your brain today. We're going we're gonna to break down some words. I actually had to ask someone, and I said, like, how many Greek words is too many Greek words? Right? So, but don't worry. They honed me down. They're like, you can't just do the whole thing. You can't. Um, and so we're going to break down a little bit. But, but my request for you guys is just like lock in, latch in. There's a reason we're, we're learning intellectually because there is going to be a moment where we get a chance for it to move to the heart. And so um, just to kind of set up the passage, I think it's really important for us to understand context, understand context of what we're reading. So in Romans, Romans is a book that's written by Paul. And so Paul um, is is writing to the church in Rome. So a little, yeah, a little lesson. Any any of the names, like for instance, Corinthians, he's he's writing to the church in Corinth. In Romans, he's writing to the church in Rome. So a lot of scholars would say that Paul is actually in um, Corinth as he's writing the letter to the Romans. And one thing that's, that's really interesting is in Second Corinthians. Um, it's a, it's a very, it's a book full of like passion, a book full of like, if you read through it, just, I would encourage you just to read through all of second Corinthians as like a letter, right? Just like read all through it. And you're like, oh my gosh, Paul's like pumped up. You know, he's, he has passion rhetoric within it. And then all of a sudden we look at Romans and Romans we know is, is, is a little more solemn, a little more somber, not, not in a bad way, but he's a little more, you know, kind of constrained within himself as he's communicating. And, and one thing is important to notice is, is I don't know Paul. I mean, it would be cool to know Paul. And, but Paul, actually the reason he is doing this, or from what I believe, this is my interpretation. So don't, you know, don't, if you look it up and you let me know, I don't, I don't think this is true. Let me know. Um, but Paul is writing to Romans. He's never actually met the church in Romans. So I do want to affirm you. I do know that. I do. So he, he has not actually met anyone in Rome. So he's writing this letter to people he do, do not know. He actually started the church in Corinth. He did not start the church in Rome. So he's basically saying, like, here you go. I'm, I'm writing all these things to you. I don't necessarily know you. So he's kind of just putting it out there, which I always find interesting. I don't know if you guys have read, ever written a letter to someone that you don't know and then, you know, talk through, like, you know, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If you've included that in your letter, that's pretty intense to say to someone you don't know. Um, so he, he, he's writing this to uh, the Romans, which is, is so, so uh, cool as we understand what it looks like. And, and Rome, uh, Romans is actually the last of the letters that is affirmed to be written by Paul. So we know that we think he wrote a ton of the New Testament. Scholars would agree that he's written seven of the letters. Some would say more, some would say, but in the very least, he wrote seven. And Romans was actually the last of it. So it's kind of like the end of his transcript, right? It's kind of the end of like his journey, his missionary journey. He's kind of writing it at the end. And so that's kind of the, the context in regards to uh, the book of Romans. Now let's look at the particular chapter that we're walking through, which is chapter 5. So in chapter 4, if you read anything in, in chapter 4 in Romans, it's talking a lot about justification, right? And that's like a really big word. And justification is just very much focused on the law. It's focused on belief. We're justified by faith, not by what we do. And that's huge for a Roman culture. Because they were so focused on what they did, right? So Romans 4 is focused on, he's saying it's not what you do anymore, right? And then Romans 5, the language shifts and becomes a relational language. It becomes a language full of relationship. And so the last verse in chapter 4 says, Jesus was delivered over to death 
for our sins and was raised to life for our justification, right? Then in chapter 5, it puts more focus on relationship. His metaphors actually change, right? And so we're just going to kind of break this down bit by bit, verse by verse, see what we can learn from it. So let's just start in verse 1. Let's just tackle it. Verse 1, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so there's that justified word, that justification bit. And what it means is we're just righteous in the sight of God through our faith, right? Not by our works, not how we do it, but we're we're justified. We're we're in right standing with God, the King of Kings. We don't have to be nervous. We don't have to be upset. We don't have to be worried. God's not speaking anything negative over our lives, right? He's speaking positive things. He's saying that you are justified by your faith, and you actually don't have to be just scared. You don't have to be nervous. You can actually be confident. You can have peace with God, and it says through our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's that kind of term, the, the in Christ, right? When Paul's talking about when he uses the in Christ word, he, he uses that in replace of Christian. So he doesn't actually say Christian a lot, but he actually says in Christ tons in the New Testament. And so Jews and Gentiles could both be, you know, there's kind of a weird transition. And a lot of scholars would even argue was Paul a Christian? You know, what, what would he identify himself? So he kind of took the term in Christ, and that's what he would say is Christian, because Jews can be um, in Christ, Gentiles can be in Christ, which essentially means not Jewish. And so whenever we, we hear the word in Christ, think of like believers, right? In Christ. I don't think he's trying to make the language like less. He's not just like trying to say like, oh, just a Christian. He's trying to say like, you are in Christ. That means everything that you are is rooted in Christ Jesus. So one thing I think we can get from this verse is that we have a right standing with God if we're in Christ. And that's something just to sit in. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to work for it. We have right standing with God because of Jesus Christ. That's huge. That's everything like i could stop my message there and if you heard one thing you could hear that that i'm okay with god because of my man jesus and walk out with that confidence because it says it in scripture it says it all throughout the bible and then what happens is once you start latching onto it for yourself and you start living it out and people start seeing like oh my gosh that person has hope and all of a sudden i want that now they still have to make a decision to grab to the hope for themselves but can you imagine if you walk into a room and you are the hope that someone sees Now, that's beautiful. So walk walk away with this, that we have right standing with God if you're in Christ. Verse 2, it says, Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So we stand in Christ, right? Christ, Jesus Christ stands in the gap. So we actually have access to his grace. Like, we, we can get into touch with his grace. It's there for you to grab onto. Kind of like I said, it's like, imagine that it, it's hanging. Like his grace is hanging right in front of you. And so, but, but the big thing, the big thing I want to latch onto is that word hope in verse 2. And that's what we're talking about today. So I think it's important that we understand what is hope, right? 
Like, what does hope look like? What does it mean? What does it say? So I want to I want to focus on, like I said, language. I'm a language nerd, language geek. Um, I I would ever um, I'm going to share a story here in a a little bit about a time when I was a missionary in in Zimbabwe and I was overseas. And and I love language. I love lashing on. And and what are the different meanings and and what are we saying and what do we learn? So I want to just evaluate our language, our English language, our American language a little bit in regards to the word hope. Right. We're going to get back to the original, the original text and, and what it you know, says in the Greek. But first, I, I want you guys to hear. I, I think there's a couple different as I was kind of praying through and discerning. I think there's there's a couple different versions of hope. So it's important that when I say that word, you're actually hearing what it means. And so I think one version of hope in, in our language is hope, but it's really wishful thinking. Right. So it's like wishful hope. And so some people might call it optimism. Right. I'm a pretty optimistic guy. I get excited about things. And this is like a really convicting thing for me is just because I'm optimistic doesn't mean I'm necessarily hopeful. And that's kind of hard to hear. Like, no, but I'm looking on the bright side. But here's the thing about wishful thinking. Wishful thinking is just imagine, okay, the Colts, you know, it was, yeah, see, you know where I'm going. Um, at the beginning of the season, we lost our quarterback, right? Andrew Luck. And we're like, oh no. And everyone's like, I'm hoping for a good year. And you're like, I'm hoping we're seeing there wasn't a ton of optimism in it, but everyone was pretty excited. Right. And, and we know, wow, we're doing pretty good. Right. Shout out to the Colts. Well done. That's exciting. But the thing is, is imagine a football game, a Colts game. And if I had actually watched any game, have I watched it? No, I have not watched any this season. So I repent of that. I must confess. I'm sorry. Um, but just imagine a football game, your favorite team. If it's not the Colts, we forgive you. But just imagine that you're thinking of your favorite team and they're down. They're like losing. And you're, you know, maybe you're talking to your spouse or your friend. You're like, man, I'm really hoping they come back. And it's like 45, nothing. I don't even know if 45 is a possible score in football. Can you get there? I don't know. But what's just the same two point conversions, all the things 45, nothing. And you're like, I'm hoping they come back. Here's the thing about your wishful thinking. Here's the thing about your hoping. You said hope, right? It doesn't necessarily mean they're coming back. Like, you're really just, you're not really going to change their outcome. You're not like in the locker room pumping them up. You're on your couch sitting on the TV eating your Doritos saying like, I'm hoping for the best. Or you're driving, right? And there's a traffic jam. And you're like, oh no, that's the worst, right? 465 and 69 and 70, they decide we're going to shut down the whole city of Indianapolis. So maybe this one will relate a little bit more than the football one. But you see a traffic jam and you're like, oh, I'm really hoping I get to work on time. Oh, man, I'm really hoping the traffic jam is up soon, right? The thing is, like, you're hoping, you saying that, it's not really going to change anything. The traffic jam is going to stay at the same point. Even if you're hoping that it gets done sooner, it's going to stop when it's supposed to stop, right? And so it's important for us to understand that there's this version of hope that we oftentimes use in our language. It's really just wishful thinking. We have to recognize it in ourselves. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying it's a sin. But that is a version we use in our American language of hope, right? And like I said, when I was preparing this message, a really convicting part for me was just because I'm optimistic doesn't mean I'm necessarily hopeful. Because I realized, wow, sometimes my hoping in those small situations doesn't actually have any effect. And I'm, I'm really talking, I'm not talking about spiritual, I'm, not, I'm really talking about even just the small stuff, the things that we say I'm hoping for, right? For the football games, for the traffic jams, for all of the lights on Scatterfield if you went to Anderson University to be green, right? Like, that's what I'm talking about. And then I think there's a second, a second version of hope, and this is expectant hope, hope, an expectant version of it. Now, this is a little bit more intense. So expectant hope isn't wishful thinking, but it's saying that you actually think something is going to happen. 
So a good example of this is, is mothers. So if, if we have any mothers here, and we know that, that we do as well as you had a mother and have mothers, they are, they are here, and we're so thankful for each mother that's here, right? If you are having, if you're pregnant, if you're with child, you're expecting. You know, that's what they say. They say you're an expecting mother. Um, and that's exciting. And here's the thing without, with expecting mothers is they're actually looking forward to something. There's, there's something that they actually see that they're like, okay, this is here. I'm having a child. Like, I'm expecting this. And now the thing with, with that is there's a beautiful season of expectancy. There's a beautiful season of, of having a child. But I've recently walked through a, a couple friends or had a couple friends, and, and we know the, the heartbreak and the pain that is a miscarriage, right? And here's, here's the hard and hard part. There was a beautiful season of expectancy, but just because you're expectant doesn't guarantee that it's going to happen. And that's hard. That's a hard truth to hear, but that is a part of hope or expectant hope that sometimes even though you're expectant doesn't guarantee it in the end. Now, do not make less of that season. Do not say you're not supposed to be expectant or, or be negative. You can be hopeful. You can be expectant. You can be excited about it. But that doesn't guarantee, right, that it's going to necessarily happen. And in a beautiful message in regards, if, if you guys are personally going through that or recently had a miscarriage or, or anything in terms of grief, uh, Jericho Jones preached an amazing message that I recommend you listen to. He preached it in August. You can check it out on our website. And it's called Grief in the Kingdom. And he literally just broke down steps on how you walk with people amidst grief. And he used Psalms and and learned, and, and I would recommend anyone. That was super helpful for me. It was helpful for, for a lot of different people. I'm like, oh, this is how you walk through people, you know, in grief. So that is, that is one version of, of hope, right? Expectant hope. It doesn't guarantee that it's going to happen, but, but it's still beautiful, right? And then this is the third and, and final. And, and guys, this isn't, this isn't like gospel, right? This is just for us to understand a little different kind of context of our own language of hope. And the third version of hope is hope or certainty, or certain hope. Now this is it. Like this is this is like the end. This is like the big one. This is the one that every time I say hope from here on, I want you guys to hear this version of hope. So when it comes to the uh, the original Greek, this is this is awesome. Again, I'm a nerd. I promise not more than five Greek words. I actually have less. So you're thinking five, but you're going to get a, You're going to get less. But I promise you're not you're not going to language class. Right. But this is just cool. I'm a nerd. This is awesome. So the, the Greek word for hope is el peace. OK. And el peace, actually what it means or the definition is expectation of what is certain expectation of what is certain. So there's an expectation that's stirred within you of what is guaranteed. Now you see those other versions of hope, right? They kind of play into each other. There's an expectant hope that leads to certain hope. Not always, but, but we see. Now here's the thing with the gospel. Here's the thing with Jesus. Here's the thing with, with Jesus Christ and dying on the cross that we know that that hope is certain. It's never changing. It's constant. And so I want you to hear that. And as we continue walking through this passage, just hear that, hear that whenever I say hope, we're talking certain, we're talking like there's no phasing it. It's for sure. It's guaranteed. And so verse three, we're just going to keep, keep chugging along. Verse three, it says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. 
And so reading this passage, it immediately brought me to one of my favorite uh, verses in the Bible. It's 2 Corinthians 12:9, And that says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I'll boast in my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And I latched onto that as like a really young kid. When I was in about eighth grade, I found like that's my life verse. And it was like one of those things. I hadn't gone through a ton of suffering at that point in my life. But I understood like, okay, I have weaknesses and, and I can actually boast about them. This is a really interesting thing. Like r- little kind of tidbit to walk out. It's something I do. It's weird, but I like it. Hopefully you do too. So I'll ask people just for questions. I'll say, what's your favorite part about yourself? And they're, they're like, oh, no, I can't answer that. I don't have a favorite part about myself. I'm like, no, you do, and let's talk about it, right? And I, I give the caveat. I know. I, I give the caveat, like, there's no such thing as being, like, too confident in yourself. Like, you can say whatever you want right here, right? In the, now, here, I, I end that. I don't, like, say that continues into the rest of the friendship. I'm just, like, in this answer, right? And so I just ask them. And there's tons of different answers. I say, like, you can literally say, I'm the, I'm the prettiest person in the world. I do. I do say, you can ask my friends. I actually say that. Like, you can say that. And that's awesome. If that's your favorite part of yourself, sweet. So I ask them that. And they say it. And it's kind of cool. They're like, oh, yeah, this is my favorite part. I'm like, that's so cool, you know, being affirming. And then I ask them, all right, what's the least favorite part about yourself? They're like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't know. Like, you know, they don't ask them, like, no, like, like, what is it? So then they'll answer. Sometimes I'll stop there and you just learned a lot about a person. Sometimes I go a little farther. And sometimes I just ask them, Okay, I use this for 2 Corinthians 12, 9, right? You boast in your weaknesses. So this is your least favorite part about yourself. You might say it's, maybe it's a weakness. Like, how can, how can, what's the redemption in that? What's the beauty in that? What's the hope in it? And oftentimes you can shift people's perspective to see what was their least favorite part of their self. They say, wow, God can actually use this. And so that's, that's a freebie. I'm not charging for it. Take it, do it, and upset people equally as much as I do. Um, but it's a lot of fun, and it's, it's something that, that really you learn about someone. And it's important, just like my last message, when you ask, like, actually want to listen, actually want to hear what they have to say. So my, my mind kind of went to that uh, in terms of sufferings, right? Um, and bragging about our weaknesses, it doesn't necessarily make sense. So there's, there was this professor, and he assigned to his class, he assigned to his class and just said, um, I want you to paint a picture of, of your relationship with Jesus. And so his students start doing that. Uh, they're painting a, uh, like their walk with Jesus, and what does it look like? And this girl brings up to his, like smiling, she's so excited. And, and he, he looks at it, and super bright. It's, it's got your, you know, it's like pink, and it's got your light blues. It's got like all of these beautiful, amazing colors. And he asks, he's like, well, where are the dark colors? And she says, well, no, no, it's, it's like Jesus, Jesus Christ. He's like, blown, like, he's beautiful. He's amazing. Well, why would I draw dark colors in it? And he says, I mean, everyone's walk with Jesus has dark colors in it. That doesn't mean Jesus is dark. Jesus is the light in the dark. And so all of a sudden she started thinking and she started processing. She realized, like, wow, I need to add some dark colors because part of our walk with Jesus oftentimes includes darkness or in the scripture includes suffering right? And that's okay. So I, I want to I tackle in terms of suffering. Um, and, and everyone's have different versions of it. 
everyone's been through something in their life and and there's not a level of suffering because when you're in it you're in it right you feel it and so the end of the verse says it starts with uh perseverance and i want to immediately jump to verse four and it's going to kind of tie in with verse three so verse four says perseverance character and character hope so it's kind of like this list or this timeline so we can see it goes suffering right perseverance character and then hope right yeah perfect suffering perseverance character and then hope so here's here's the whole point of today the whole point of the message even if you're in a a time of tribulation in a time of suffering i really want to show you the end i want to show you the hope the certain hope that you have in christ because then when you're in the beginning when you're in the suffering you can look at the end and say okay yeah i have to go through this journey i have to go through this process but i'm confident the hope that i have in jesus that's at the end so now this is where i get real nerdy i'm breaking down all these words so We'll do it real quick, and everyone's eyes will glaze over, and we'll mention, pretend it never happened. Um, no, I'm kidding. There's, there's beauty. There's beauty in the, in the original context, right? So if we look at the word suffering, so uh, the word suffering, another translation says tribulation. And so that word is thlipsis, thlipsis. And, and this is what it means. It means a pressing, pressing together, or pressure, so here's what I, I, wanna, I want you just to kind of come up with a, a mental image in your head when it regards to pressure, right? I asked uh, my wise friend Josh, who's a PA, about what, what do you do? Why do you, why do you press on a wound, right? So I want you just to think you have a, a giant leg wound. And you know, you know that, that you're supposed to press on the wound. You're supposed to, like, really put pressure on it. And I was wondering, like, why do you do that? Why do you apply pressure? Because it hurts. You're, like, pressing on something that's wide open and, and bleeding, and so the reason you do it, and you know it's, it's to help stop the bleeding, but this is what happens. It helps constrict the blood vessels and allows the platelets, is that right? Platelets? Sweet. I can do Greek, but I can't do medicine. Um, so it allows the platelets to stick to each other to form the clot or the plug. Now here's the thing, the pressure hurts, but it's set up to set yourself up for success further on. Right? It hurts, it's painful, you press on it. But you get a look at the end, you get a look at the hope and say, okay, I applied pressure. That pressure was for a reason. That suffering was for a reason. I was in this circumstance for a reason. Now, that is painful to hear when you're in the circumstance. But latch on to the certain hope that we have in Christ. The certain hope that you see that is at the end, right? It's there for you to grab hold on. So when you're in the pressing, you say, wow, this pressure, this pressing that I'm feeling on is actually stopping the bleeding. It's stopping the bleeding so that, you know, the scar starts forming and and the the blood, the, the platelets come together, right? And it starts to plug it up and it sets you up for success later on. So when you're going through pressure, I just want you to think through that. When you're going through tribulation, imagine that there's a reason for it. The pressure is actually benefiting Guys, that's a hard message to hear. That's not fun. And, and when you're in it, it's okay to sit in it. It's, it like, it's okay. But understand, like, okay, I'm gonna, the bleeding's going to stop. And it's going to be okay. The second word, which is uh, upomene. Upomene, that's correct. Upomene. And this is what it means. It means remaining under or endurance, steadfastness, especially as God enables the believer to remain or endure under the challenges he allots in life, a remaining behind, a patient enduring. 
I love that, a remaining behind or a patient enduring. So enduring means continuing or long-lasting, right? It's something that goes on a while as, as just your life goes on. Like, you have to endure. You have to sit in it. It says you have to sit under it or remain under. And that's, that's not easy. That's, that's difficult to hear. But it's part of the process. So what happens is as you sit under it, as you sit in it and understand like God is in this, God is at the, you know, God has the hope. The hope is anchored there. Then it actually starts to build for the next, which is character. The next word is character. And that word is is dokime or dokime, dokime, uh, which is proof of genuineness, approval through testing, a brand of what is tested and true. So it's tested, it's true. In the New American Standard Version, it actually says proven character. So you've been tested. It means when things are in front of you that you've responded and reacted to, you actually let it change you and mold you. And as you let it change you and mold you, it is a proof of genuineness. So you actually get to become genuine by sitting under those trials. And then that proof of genuineness, it then leads to hope, which is that L piece. And again, that definition, it's expectation of what is certain. So if we look at the timeline in in verse 4, we see it's suffering leads to perseverance, which leads to character, proven character, which leads to hope. So as I kind of gave the definitions, I want to put a different, maybe a little different language on this. I thought this was uh, an interesting way to look at it. So pressure actually leads to opportunity for endurance, which leads to genuineness, one that's been tested and true, which leads to certainty. I want to say it again. So pressure leads to opportunity for endurance, which leads to genuineness, which leads to certainty. Now, that's, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful picture, right? As we're amidst the pressure, we can look at the end and say there's certainty here. So verse 5, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now, the New American Standard Version says hope doesn't disappoint. So it's important to realize that that hope is not going to let us down. When we use the language of wishful hope or expectant hope, there's a chance of it letting us down. But when we start using the language of certain hope, hope that we have in Christ, hope in Jesus, we understand, okay, it's not going to let us down. It doesn't even have an opportunity to. There's literally no doubt in Christ. True hope doesn't disappoint. It doesn't leave us dry. So here's the question that I'm sure you're asking that I was asking. Why is it sometimes that when I hope, I get let down. And now here is exactly what Sierra prayed. I believe it's because it's here and not here. There has to be a moving from our head to our heart. Because I just intellectually told you what hope was, right? It's an expectation of what is certain. But you knowing that doesn't mean you latch on to it for yourself. So here in a little bit for um, ministry time, what's going to happen is we're going to actually get a chance to latch on to that hope for ourselves, right? It's gonna, we're going to get a chance for it to move from our head to our heart. And so verse 5, we, we continue. It says, God's love is poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Now, you need the Holy Spirit. You can't grab onto hope in your heart without the Holy Spirit. 
I think this passage so beautifully shows the Trinity at work, actually partnering together as one God, right? Three persons. So we get to experience the Father's love, right? Through the Holy Spirit, because we have hope in Christ. So I want to listen to this. All three of them are working together for you. That's where we get our hope. That all three are working together for you. If you let that sink in, all of a sudden you feel hope start to bubble up. Oh my gosh, God, God the creator of the universe, Jesus, the one who died on the cross, the Holy Spirit, who's our counselor, who is our, our mediator, who's, who helps us you know, guide us in our life. He's actually working together for you individually as a person. We get hope in that. Verse 6 says, you see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, in case you're wondering, we're the ungodly, right? That's the redemption. Christ died for us. We're the ungodly. That's the certain hope that Christ died. In 1 Corinthians 15, 14, it says, And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. So this is important. The raising of Jesus, the fact that Jesus died on the cross and rose again for you, for the ungodly. That's us. Verse 7, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. So Paul is, is setting the scene in, in verse 8. He wants you to understand that, that this isn't normally a thing. Like, people don't just, like, go out and die for it. Like, you don't say, hey, I'm willing to take the death penalty for that guy that's on death row. Right? That's not a normal thing. He says, well, maybe, maybe if they're, like, righteous, like, maybe if they're good. But the thing is, none of us are good. Like, we're all sinners. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so he's kind of setting us up for verse 8, which says, and this is where we end, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, I wrote in my Bible, I, I don't know how long ago, but when I was reading through this passage as I was preparing, I wrote in the Bible, that's the beauty. And I, under, I underline that Christ died for us. There's beauty and hope. Christ died for us. When we are sinners, that's why he died. He died for our sins. Now, our eyes don't necessarily need to, to, to look on, on something else. He can literally just be focused on Christ, the fact that he died for you. I have a, a real quick story, and, and I'll end with this, and we'll do ministry time. I know we're going a little late, but this is a, a really cool story that, that I want you guys to hear. Uh, there's this guy named January. Interesting name, right? Um, and so what, I was a missionary, and I was a missionary in Zimbabwe. Um, and so I, I, I went around the world and, and did, uh, ended up in 15 different countries, and it was, it was really beautiful, really cool. So this is uh, an elderly gentleman named uh, January and his wife. And oh, what happened is my team, we were in a, a village in Zimbabwe, or, or not in a village, but kind of a really, really, really small establishment. And we went a couple hours into the bush, and we ended up with a bunch of huts where there's just tons and tons of different huts and, and different villages, people who, who are like unreached and, and had never heard the gospel. Or if some had, it was, they were just in the middle of nowhere, right? And so my team is walking up and we meet this guy um, and his wife and, and they're talking with him and, and he pulls out his like certificates and we're like, you know, what's that? And it actually says that he's certified to be a witch doctor, right? And that's something that actually happens. I didn't even know you had to be certified. Like online, you can check it off. I don't know. Um, and so he actually is, is certified to be a witch doctor, and he's showing all of his, his bones and all of his, his different herbs and all these different things that he actually uses when he's practicing as a witch doctor. He's actually the spiritual leader of the entire village. 
And so we're talking with him and sharing with him, and, and one of my teammates is sharing the gospel with him, saying, like, hey, we're sinners, we're broken, we're messed up. Here you go. This, there's, there's this guy named Jesus, right? And she's, she's sharing with him, and he just breaks down into tears, bawling. And he goes, I didn't know what I've done is wrong until now. And he understood, like, oh, my gosh, it's not good what I'm doing. I'm messed up. And he got it, and he received Jesus then and there. Hallelujah. Praise, right? And so my teammate leads him to Christ. And then what happens, and there's a next, uh, next picture. This is uh, some of my teammates, uh, uh, Madison and Christine, and that's with them in, their, uh, in front of their hut, him and his wife. And they are, uh, you know, so he gives his life to Christ. It's awesome. And he says, hey, I want you to come back in a couple days. So I think this was a Friday or a Thursday. So we come back on a Sunday, Sunday morning, and he comes back. And you can go to the other picture. This is them on the s- Sunday. Um, so back to the first picture. Or, yeah. Uh, so this is them ready. And he says, I want to go to church. I'm ready. But before he goes to church, he starts a fire. And he says, I'm going to burn my certificate and all my witch doctor stuff. So he starts a fire, throws it in, right? And it's, it's burning. And he says, no, I'm, I'm living for Jesus now. And we're like, let's go. This is awesome, right? He's 98 years old. So this year he's now 99. But when, when this happened, he was 98 years old. And uh, so he commits his life to Christ, right? And he says, I want to walk to church. And we're like, you are almost 100 years old, and it's like two miles away. You don't need to do it. And he's like, no, I'm going. He has his walking stick. No joke. Walk. We've walked to church, right? They, they, they walk to church, and they're there, and, and he's, he's hearing, you know, the message and being in a church for, I don't know if he'd ever been in church at that time. And then there's a video. And then a couple weeks later for my mission host, I got a video of him actually being baptized. So I just want to show that really quick. It's super awesome. And this is just a video of, of him being baptized. I you heard the water. He was baptized. Yeah, no, it's so good. That's okay. You can imagine what it looks like. He goes under the water and comes back up, right? But I, I, I wanted to tell you that I wanted to tell you that story because that's that's awesome. Like we get a lot. He's latched onto the hope. But here's the thing. Here's here's the message. Here's the one thing that I want you to walk away with. Now you guys might be thinking like, hey, I don't really know a bunch of witch doctors. Like my next door neighbor. That's not like a super normal thing. But here's the thing with him. And here's what I want you to take away from that story. That he actually grabbed onto the hope in Jesus. He grabbed onto the hope in Christ. So he grabbed onto it for himself and he became baptized. You know what else happened? After he became a Christian, one thing that in those villages, uh, the witch doctor is actually the spiritual leaders, the spiritual directors of the village. So what happens, he comes back. Now that whole village are believers. Yeah. And it all started with my teammate stepping out in faith saying, hey, there's this witch doctor, this broken people that needs Jesus as much as I do and shared it. Now, the reason, again, the reason I tell you that, That's what it is. Um, uh, He he latched on to the hope for himself. And so I want you to ask your questions, and we'll go ahead and have Lynn Lynn come on on up. I want you to ask yourself this. Does your life demonstrate someone that's wanting hope? Does your life demonstrate someone wanting hope? Because if it's going to happen... So if it's going to happen in you, 
It's got to happen in you before it can happen through you. And this is another hard question. If it's not happening through you, has it happened in you? So ask yourself, is it happening through me? And if it hasn't, has it happened in you? So I'm just going to invite the ministry team up, and we're, we're going to um, end in prayer. And I, I just invite you guys, when it comes to hope, I, I gave you kind of the intellectual side. I said, like, this is what hope is. There's these cool stories, but, but there's actually a chance for you to grab hold of it yourself. It's standing out in front of you to grab hold of. God is actually inviting you for it to move from your head to your heart. And so that's what we're going to have the opportunity to do today. So, Lord, we just thank you for the hope we have in you, the hope we have in Christ. It's certain hope. It's, her, it's hope that, that we're grounded in. You're the foundation. And so we pray that it just moves from our head to our heart because that's when it transforms us. Just move in this place. Move in our hearts. Let us walk it out. It'll happen through us as it happens in us. So just move in us. Let us grab onto the hope for ourselves and just change our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So you guys are, are welcome to come up and get prayer from our ministry team. And, and if something's stirring within you, I just encourage you to get that. You guys are uh, formally dismissed, but I, I really encourage you, if something is stirring within you, do not leave without prayer. We have an amazing team here that is willing to pray with you guys. Thank you guys. I hope you have a great, a great Sunday. And um, yeah, please, please do not walk out without getting prayed for if that's what you need.